0: to become yourself. Welcome to Creating a Buzz About Health podcast with Paula Carnell. Hello. So today I am going to be talking about honey and I can't believe I've been doing a podcast about creating a buzz about health and so far I've not mentioned honey. Now honey is an incredible, incredible substance and Knowing more about honey, and I am still learning about honey, is been a really important and integral part of my career, of my business. So what I'm going to do is just do a very short, brief introduction about what exactly honey is. So this is the honey basics. Now, honey is a product that bees make. They collect nectar from flowers, they bring it back to the hive, and through all sorts of processes, the bees then turn the nectar into honey. Now they can also collect um, the secretions of aphids. So aphids will feed off honeydew, which is a sap that many plants produce through various, um, for various reasons. Um, And it's sort of a very medicinal um, product that plants are producing and aphids will clean it up now as the aphids eat the honeydew it goes through their body and then they secrete this sort of sticky substance which the bees will clean up and sometimes the bees will take the honeydew directly but more often than not it's through the aphids and so honey that's made from honeydew becomes called honeydew honey and it's very dark and you're more likely to find a honeydew honey from forested areas so eastern europe Um, some parts of Italy, France, Spain, and it will be a darker, richer honey. Now, overall, honey can contain 180 different compounds. And the first thing that triggered my interest in honey was after keeping bees for a year and I had my mentor Chris and we extracted honey after that first harvest and we got 140 pounds of honey which I thought was amazing it is amazing and I would never take that much honey from a colony now however we took all the honey we bottled it up and then the next time Chris visited he had a big parcel and it was of sugar fondant And we had to feed the bees because we had to make sure they'd get through the winter because we'd taken the honey. And that was the first time I really realized that honey, although it is a byproduct of bees, they primarily collect honey because honeybees are the species of bees that live through the winter months. And that's why honeybees make honey. And the other Sort of 22,000 species of bees don't make honey, but all bees collect nectar and pollen from plants. The nectar is carbohydrate, which can be turned into honey, and the pollen is the protein. And so all bees need a combination of both. They need that protein to build up their broods, to build up their strength, and they need the carbohydrate or the sugars as a form of fuel so that they can fly. And having that balance is so, so important. As I've learned more about honey, I've also found out more about bees. And I've been fascinated about why beekeepers feed bees sugar and why we shouldn't. And in my intuition, that first time we fed my bees sugar, I just felt it was wrong. I just felt... We shouldn't be giving bees sugar. I knew there was a difference between sugar and honeys. And yet I didn't. I didn't know how to prove it was different. I just felt intuitively it was wrong. It took me sort of 11 years to have the perfect um, answer when I was told I was silly to think that honey was any different to sugar and that bees were absolutely fine having sugar. And that is, if sugar is the same as honey, why do we as humans go to so much trouble to take the honey? Good question. Well, because we know it's really good stuff. And for thousands of years, humanity has used honey as a medicine, as a medicinal product. We've used it for sweetening, but also for um, for our health. It's also been used for preserving things. So let me talk you through what happens when the bee collects the nectar. So the bee will go out to the plants. It will drink up the nectar through its tongue. It'll return back to the hive. And then it will be greeted by a receiver bee and the bees exchange that nectar through their tongues and it goes down into their bellies and they're adding these really really important enzymes and those enzymes are what makes the honey particularly exciting so um it's glucose oxidase that the bees are adding and this sort of helps the honey thicken and it it, helps it ripen. Now, the receiver bee, when they feel that they've put the honey back and forth enough times, the receiver bee will take the honey in their honey crop. So the bees have two stomachs. They have a honey crop and then they have a normal stomach. So that first bee that's collected the nectar has filled its honey crop with a single variety of nectar. Honey bees don't go to lots of different flowers in one trip. They will go for a single variety. So that single variety honey has been exchanged between the receiver bee and the foraging bee. Then the receiver bee, after it's had all this glucose oxidase added to it, will take it into the hive and dispense it into a cell, into a wax cell. Now, what the bees do is they organize the cells and so they keep each honey separate. So if you hold up a comb of honey, You will see different colours and you'll see little sections of one colour, then a slightly different amber or gold or darker or even lighter. And some honey will crystallise, some won't. And that all depends on the balance of sugars. So the bees organise their honeys. And there's a very important reason for this. The bees know that different honeys have different medicinal properties. It has been found that when you have identical colonies or seemingly identical colonies in an apiary and you measure which plants the bees go to, they will go to plants that it's been found contain the exact chemical constituents that the bees would need to heal whatever imbalance is going on inside the hive. So bees are incredible. They know which plants are medicinal. This was also shown by some research done by the Welsh Botanic Gardens, where they have 8000 species of plants in the botanic gardens and they have honeybees. And they wanted to measure their honey to see which types of plants the bees preferred to make the honey. It's also interesting to know what flavour honey you've got. So they sent these honeys off to be analysed. And when the results came back, they were quite astonished because they found the bees preferred 11 species of plants. Now, what was even more interesting was what those species were. It seems the bees had been flying over the exotic platter of plants in the botanic gardens and going straight for the hedgerows and woodlands and all the sort of rough, wild areas outside the botanic gardens. The bees were preferring the hawthorn, the blackthorn, the willow, the hazel, the ivy, the dandelions, clover, brambles. It was basically all these plants that we wouldn't think of planting in our gardens, let alone in a botanical garden. So the bees know that they were going to receive more health from actually foraging from these plants outside the botanical gardens rather than coming inside the gardens and foraging from plants that perhaps weren't even secreting nectar. We know that the plants secrete nectar as a reward for attracting the bees to forage from them. But not all plants secrete nectar all the time. Some plants will only secrete nectar for an hour a day. And then in that hour, the climate has to be right. Perhaps the sun has to be shining on them. The roots have to be in a specific type of soil. And so we really have to bear in mind that we need that biodiversity in our environment. So, for instance, clover will produce nectar, but the roots of clover have to be quite moist or damp. And then the flowers have to be exposed to a temperature of 20 to 25 degrees. Perfect for your average British summer. However, last year in 2022, it was hot and dry. It was too hot and dry. So although you might have had clover flowering in your lawns, it wasn't producing any nectar and therefore it was no good for the bees. So what were the bees feeding from instead? You know, they need something different. So having a basic understanding of honey helps us as beekeepers because we realize that if we take the whole of a single variety, a whole box or all the boxes of honey, we're taking away not only the food source, but also the medicine cabinet for the bees. The bees through the winter months, they reduce in number from about 50 or 60,000 bees down to about 5 or 10,000 bees. And that cluster will move around the hive, self-medicating. Just like us, if we're in our homes over winter and perhaps in a lockdown, we're not going to just go through our larder from left to right. And we're certainly not going to just feed ourselves on pasta for six months. You know, we need to know that we've got a mixture. Our bodies know that we've got to have that variety of foods and bees know that too. So when I harvest honey, I don't take a whole box. I'll take every other frame, but over several boxes and then reorganize it so that the bees have a larder of mixed varieties for them to forage from. Now, with our agriculture, with our environment, we used to have 98% more wildflower meadows in Britain and we've lost those. And a wildflower meadow would provide an excellent range of different plants to feed the bees. But now the bees are surviving from massive monocultures. Bees are being moved to an area where there'll be one type of honey. So perhaps rapeseed or maybe the um, maybe there'll be phacelia or maybe clover or dandelions. We're moving bees so that they have a large amount of one source, perhaps moving bees into orchards for apple blossom honey. This can be a problem. Just like us, if we were to just eat baked beans for several weeks, we're not going to be as healthy as if we have a wide range of fruits and vegetables to go alongside our beans. We really need to look at this. We know that the bees are getting sick. We know that they're dying. We know they're having colony collapse disorder. And we also know that nutrition is really key to the health of the bees. So as a consumer, when you're buying honey, try and think of honey as a medicine think of it as this complex food this 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 product that has 180 compounds it's not just sucrose it has sucrose fructose and glucose then it has all these other sugars that different plants provide some plants provide um mannose some provide you know all kinds of different types of sugars Then you have the trace elements the minerals that are coming up from the soils you get the amino acids from different plants you also get all the enzymes from the bees so every honey is going to be different you're going to have vintages as well where one year you'll have a predominance of a certain plant another year you won't you'll have different plants so you could look at honeys like wines where they are a geographical taste map of a period of time, a location and a snapshot of what the weather, what the climate was doing. And the bees need this to get them through the winter months. So for your bees, if you're a beekeeper, you really want to leave a variety of honeys for them over the winter. You do not want to feed them just sugar. Just like I would not feed my boys a diet of just white sugar for say from august through to april i would not be expecting them to be very healthy if i did that so why would we expect the bees to be healthy if we do that and just the same when we're buying our honey we don't need to have one type of honey yes by all means buy local honey if you've got local honey and you know it's a good one but be very mindful that you want to have a mixed variety and at different times in your lives, you'll be attracted to different floral varieties of honey. Perhaps a garden honey, a blossom honey from your environment will be really good because it will have a mixture of lots of different plants. When a beekeeper harvests the honey, even if there's lots of different honey stored in the frame, the beekeeper tends to cut the cappings off and spin that honey So the honey is a a man-made blend of all the different flowers from that region. Now, honey is unfortunately very largely adulterated. And so if you are buying honey regularly, be really aware of how to buy a good raw honey. You want to know that it is pure honey. And so on the jar, it should actually say the name of the beekeeper and the place, the single orange origin of its source. Now, if you look at the back of a jar and it says a blend of EU and non-EU honeys, Now we're out of the EU, that could be a blend of French and British honeys, but more likely than not, it'll be a larger blend where barrels of honey have been transported around the world from China, from Turkey, from India, from Argentina, from all over Europe, and then imported in. And then a honey packer will be blending those different honeys into a mix now the problem is when you blend that many different honeys. For a start, we don't know what the floral source is. We're going to get a right old mixture, mm. but also that honey tends to be highly processed. It will be heated to make it a consistency. You know, they they either want a runny honey or they want a creamed or set honey, and so that's a processing which is going to alter quite a lot of the 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 wonders and the magic of honey. So look for a honey that is a single variety. The other thing is that there is that potential for adulteration when you have blended honeys. The honeys that have come from more than one country, not just one apiary, but lots of different countries, lots of different beekeepers. It's very difficult to test every barrel of honey. And honey is the second most adulterated food on the planet. There's arguments about which is the first most adulterated food. Some say rice and some say olive oil. However, honey is way up there in that top three. And to prevent yourself from contributing to the massive honey fraud that goes on in the world, try and select your honeys knowing who the beekeeper was or the single variety or a packer that you trust. I buy in honeys from a beekeeper in Spain and beekeepers from Morocco. And so if you buy my honeys, it might say a Spanish sunflower or Spanish sweet chestnut but I can tell you exactly which beekeeper it's come from and the batch. Now if you get your honey from supermarkets it's going to be a very low price but please bear in mind that every single supermarket in Britain has been um, fined for fraudulently selling honey. We really have to keep on top of this and it comes down to you the consumer doing some savvy shopping. So here are my top three tips. First of all Try and avoid a honey that is a blend of more than one country. Secondly, pay more than £5 a jar. doesn't matter how big the jar is. It should be more than £5. If it's under £5 a jar, unless it's your chap down the road who hasn't put his prices up for 40 years and he's selling honey from his back garden, um, if it's under £5 a jar, the beekeeper is not earning a living, let alone a fair wage. So more than £5 a jar. And what's the third one? Make sure it's not a blend. Make sure that it's more than five pounds. And trust your intuition. Have a look at the single varieties. Have a look at the colors. You know, think, has it been messed around with? Is it over filtered? Can you see bits of pollen? Is it on the comb? If you really, really want to have a real honey, try and buy honey on the cut comb because that's impossible to adulterate. And then you're going to get the goodness of the wax, the propolis. It's all going to be in there. So have a look at where you're buying honey. I'm going to go into more depth with different varieties about what their contents are. But this was just your basic idea on how honey is made and why you should be careful about what honey you're buying. I hope this has helped. If you know somebody who would benefit from knowing a bit more about honey, then just share this episode. And I look forward to you joining me again on the next episode. Thanks very much. Bye. This podcast has been produced and edited by the wonderful B Brook and the music was created especially for me by Rhea. Thank you very much. You have to become yourself. Join us Open next time on heart. Creating a Buzz Open About Health heart. podcast with Paula Carnell. Buzz you later.